I want to say Happy Easter. And thank you to the five of you that said it back to me. Um, we'll try that again. Happy Easter, everyone. Ah, oh, thanks. Um, I grew up in an Anglican church, and uh, on Easter Sunday in Anglican churches all around the country, the vicar or the person leading the service will get up, and the, he will say, he is risen, and the congregation will respond with? A few people threw in the hallelujah just for good measure as well. I grew up, and I used to love it on Easter Sunday. Because people love saying that, but as a kid, I used to wear it out. I used to just go up to people and go, he has risen, and wait for them, and they'd have to go, he has risen indeed, hallelujah. Like my mum and dad got fed up of me on Easter Sunday, but it is absolutely brilliant to be in church on Easter Sunday. If you're not a Christian, if, if this is perhaps your first time in church, then you are struck lucky. You have picked a brilliant day <laughs> to be in church. You could not have picked a better Sunday to come to church today. Um, not because I'm speaking, although that is good, <laughs> but because we're looking, we are looking at basically the, the core of what it means to be a Christian, the core reason why we are here this morning. And we, uh, if you've not been with us, we've been looking at uh, the series I Am, which hence these big letters behind us. If you're looking for a big I or a big A or a big M, come and see us tomorrow, they're going. Um, I'm thinking about having the big A just on my desk, so everyone knows. Um, but we've been looking at that over the past seven weeks, all the different uh, I am sayings that Jesus says in the book of John. And today we are looking at I am the resurrection and the life. And actually, it's not the final saying. It actually comes at number four. So it's the fourth of seven. But we thought, what better thing to look at on Easter Sunday than I am the resurrection and the life. So that is what we are going to do. And it happens in the context of the story of Lazarus. Now, Lazarus, the story of Lazarus is a brilliant story. If you don't know it, then you're in for a treat because it is a great story. And I hope I do it justice. It happens in John 11, and we're going to read from there. So it'll be on the screens. But if you want to get your Bible out, in case you don't believe what I'm saying, then it's in John 11. And we're starting at verse 1, and it says this Now, a man named Lazarus was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay ill, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is ill. Jesus receives this bad news, Lord, the one that you love is ill. And how many of you know that we live in a world that is full of bad news? We are surrounded by bad news all the time. You can switch on any news channel, BBC, ITV, Sky, or any other generic news channel, and you can see that it is full of bad news. And we, I'm sure, can all think of a moment in our lives when we have received bad news like Jesus does in this moment. I'm not very well. You failed your exam. You can't have children. Your relationship isn't working out. You've got cancer. You're being made redundant. Your child has been misbehaving in school. My parents used to get that one quite a lot. And I think 
in our world and our culture, we could do with a little bit of hope every now and again. We could do with a little bit of hope. I love it when I see a good news story on the news. I'm like, yes, there's a bit of hope for us. And today on Easter Sunday, I want to tell you that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and that is the hope for me and you. That is the hope for our world. That is the hope for our culture. That is the hope for your family. That is the hope for your friends. Jesus Christ is the hope for our world. And this morning, I want to celebrate her and I want to talk a little bit about her. And, you know, it would be easy for me on Easter Sunday, the day we celebrate that Jesus resurrected from the dead, it would be easy for me to whip everybody into a frenzy and we could all have a bit of a party and jump up and down and wave our hands in the air and take up... No, don't take your tops off. That would be inappropriate uh, for a lot of people and would make probably quite a few people ill. But I don't want to do that this morning. (laughs) But, you know, I found some evidence that, that showed that our world needs a little bit of hope. And it was this, do you know that we are less likely to buy a clock if it is advertised as looking like this? But if it looks like this, then we are more likely to buy it. Basically, we are more likely to buy a clock if it looks like it has a happy face than if it has a sad face. That's quite sad this morning, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? We as a culture need a bit of hope. We are more likely to buy a clock as it says if you buy this clock you will live a happy life at 10 past 10 in the morning it's called the 1008 principle it's an it's a marketing principle and there is one phone a company called HTC that have taken it a little bit too far <laughs> and I promise you wherever you look when you see an advert for a HTC phone, you will see 10.08 on the clock. They've taken that principle a little bit too far, but we could do with a little bit of hope this morning. And like I said, I could hype you up. I could whip you up into a frenzy this morning, but I don't want to do that just yet. Um, I, uh, I listened to a podcast recently, and it was a guy called Mal Fletcher speaking. He's a world-renowned thinker, whatever that means. Um, But he says some pretty good stuff, and he talked about hope versus hype, and he says this, the difference between emotional hype and hope is the difference between manipulation and motivation. Hype may sugarcoat a bitter-tasting pill, but motivation shows the benefits of swallowing the pill and moving on. This morning, I don't want to pretend that bad stuff doesn't exist in the world. I don't want to pretend that you're, some of you aren't in the middle of a bad news situation. But I want to offer you some hope. And I want to offer you that following Jesus is worth following him because he offers hope. And if we pick up the Lazarus story in the very next verse, so remember verse 3, Jesus receives this bad news. Verse 4, he straight away offers hope. It says this, When he heard this, Jesus said, This illness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Here's a promise from God. Whatever situation you find yourself in this morning, God can bring it about for his glory. Whatever bad situation, bad news, tough time that you are in, God can bring it about for his glory. I remember uh, seven years ago receiving uh, some pretty bad news for me and my family. It was an Easter Monday, actually, and uh, my mum called, uh, me and my dad, we were out, and my mum called to say that my granddad had collapsed and was having a heart attack. And um, 
later on that day, he'd, he'd gone to hospital. And I remember uh, me and my family being pulled into another room. So there was me, uh, my immediate family, my nan and my uncle and auntie and my cousins. And we were meeting with a consultant and the consultant came in and told us, the facts. He told us that uh, if my granddad was to live through this, he would never be the same again, that he was essentially going to be a a vegetable and be brain dead. And I remember as the consultant left the room, my uncle turned to us as a family and he said, I think what we should do, guys, is we need to pray that God takes granddad tonight while he's sleeping. And we, we all prayed together as a family. We went and said our goodbyes. And before we'd even got home, my granddad had passed away. And that was a really tough time for me in my life. You know, I was 21 at the time. I'd broken my ankle. It was, it was, there was all sorts going on in my life. And I remember feeling lost and confused and angry. And, but you know what? As I look back, I see that God was so, so close to me. As I look back in hindsight, I can see that as a result of that situation, my relationship with God grew. And I I became closer to God. I understood what it meant to follow Jesus no matter what happened. As a result of that situation, my relationship grew. Romans 8 verse 28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And that is an incredible promise. But this morning you might be sat there saying, But this hurts. This isn't very good right now. And I'm not saying it doesn't. And I'm not saying it shouldn't. What I am saying is that there is hope. Because to ignore that would be hype. You see, I am a naturally quite positive person. I've done something uh, called Strength Finder. Uh, Strength Finder is basically you get a little profile uh, of how you are kind of set up as a human being, if you like. And you get five main themes. And one of my main themes is something called positivity. And uh, I've, you might have positivity. You will know this if you, if you recognize what I'm saying. One of my favorite sayings is, it'll be all right. It'll all work out in the end. I often have discussions with my wife that go, name a time it's not worked out. Exactly. It'll all be fine. Don't worry about it. And, and I always win the arguments. And uh, I am a, naturally a very positive person. I love having fun. And I always like to look on the bright side. And I think as a result of that, I'm somebody that struggles with Good Friday. Not the concept of Good Friday, but but more specifically, uh, sometimes Good Friday services can be quite depressing and quite somber. And actually, if you were here on Friday, it was totally the opposite of that. The Good Friday service here on Friday was incredible. Um, but I struggle with that concept of being really sad and depressed on Good Friday because I'm like, you do know the end of the story. You know that he rises again on Sunday. You do know that it might be Friday, but Sunday's coming. I kind of want to tap people on the shoulder and say, what are you crying for? He comes back to life in a couple of days. <laughs> and do you know what? I, I'm not saying I don't like Good Friday. Please don't hear that. Um, but I naturally focus on the positives, and it would be easy to do that this morning. But if we go back to the Lazarus story, we'll see what Jesus does. You see, if we, um, just to get you up to date, what happens in between uh, what we just read and what we're about to read is that uh, Lazarus dies, and Jesus thinks that that is the optimum moment to go and visit him. Not, you know, when he was sick, but Jesus says, now he's dead, we'll go and visit him. And he turns up, and Mary and Martha are, are kicking off, saying, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. And they're all kicking off, and Jesus turns up, and it says this in verse 33. 
When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid them, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept, shortest verse in the Bible. Then the Jews said, see how he loved them. See, Jesus, in this moment, was deeply moved and he wept. It doesn't say that he filled up a little bit. It doesn't say that Jesus got a little bit emotional. It doesn't say that a little tear strolled down his cheek. It says that Jesus wept. Now, I'm not a crier. I'm uh, not a person that cries a lot. I couldn't tell you the last time I cried. Um, My wife, uh, who I've been married to for four years, has never ever see me cry um, I don't know what, what it is I want to cry sometimes I get in a sad moment and I'm like I'm gonna cry I'm gonna cry this is it this is it no gone I'm just not a cry maybe my eyes are broken um, but uh, I'm a little bit worried you see uh, my my football team Liverpool Football Club we've got a small chance of winning the league and I've booked, I've booked that weekend off uh, just in case that happens. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps already. Um, and I'm a little bit worried that the first time my wife sees me cry is not on the day that we got married. It's not at a funeral. But it could be when Stephen Gerrard potentially lifts the Premier League trophy. So if you're the praying type, if you could pray that that doesn't happen, because that would get me in a lot of trouble that conversation of how can you cry when Liverpool win a football match and not when we get married is not going to be a comfortable conversation for me. Um, But Jesus here, he comes and he is deeply moved and he weeps. He weeps. And you know, you might be in the middle of bad news right now. It might feel like Good Friday to you. It might feel like you are devastated, that you're alone, that you're abandoned, that you're lost and you're confused. That's what the disciples would have felt on Good Friday as they watched the person that they had followed for three years of their life, watched him die on a cross. You might feel like that this morning because that's what Lazarus' family would have felt. And you know, thankfully, Jesus isn't uber positive like me. You see, if if I was Jesus, I would have come in and I'd have gone, whoa, 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 what's everyone crying for? I'm going to raise him from the dead. And then he's up, do you know? I mean, that's what I'd have done. Like, the story would have been over in 30 seconds because I'd have just wa- rocked in and gone, get up, Lazarus. And he'd have got up. I don't know what the knee, the knee lean was for, but I don't know. It just gave me an extra sense of power. Um, and Jesus isn't like me, thankfully. Jesus comes and he gets alongside them and he dwells in the moments of sadness. He cries with them. He is deeply moved. And this morning, if you are in the, in the midst of a tough time, if you are in the midst of bad news, I want you to know that Jesus is right in the middle of it. When my granddad passed away, Jesus was closer to me than I thought he was. And this morning, if you are in bad news, I want you to know that Jesus is closer to you than you think he is. Even if you're not a Christian, even if you don't consider yourself a, a follower of Jesus, Jesus is close to you in your time of need. John, who uh, wrote the book of John, uh, is writing predominantly to a Greek audience. And the Greek view of uh, God, uh, capital G God, but also uh, lowercase g God, um, their view of God was that God was distant, that he was dispassionate, that he was apathetic. 
And when the, when the Greek audience reads this and sees that Jesus mourns and he weeps and he is deeply moved, it is mind-blowing for the Greeks because John is shouting to them, Jesus cares, God loves you, God is passionate, he is close and he loves you. And that would have been absolutely mind-blowing for those Greeks. And this morning, for some of you who are perhaps experiencing those bad news moments, that might be mind-blowing to you. That you've always thought of God as this distant and dispassionate God, but actually, he's close to you. And I think this morning we can respond to that right now. Um, so I'm going to invite Leon uh, to come up. And uh, what, I, what I'd like to do is, um, I want to pray for you this morning. Um, if you are in the midst of something that is, is really tough, that you are going, yeah, I empathize with this bad news moment, then uh, what I want to do is ask you to do something really brave and uh, stand to your feet. And we'd like to pray for you this morning because we're going to celebrate in a little bit and we're going um, to uh, have a bit of a party and, and celebrate Jesus' resurrection. But I want to be like Jesus and dwell in the moment here. So if that's you and you are experiencing bad news, then I just want to invite you to, to stand to your feet where you are. stick a hand on them appropriately and begin to pray for them. God, I thank you that you are not a distant God, that you are not dispassionate, that you are not apathetic, but you are absolutely the opposite of that. God, I thank you that when we weep, you weep. When we hurt, you hurt. God, and I pray for these brave people that have stood to their feet. Lord, I pray that they would know you are close to them. Father God, I pray that in their bad news and their tough time at the moment, they would know you stood right next to them. God, I pray that they would know something of your love and your peace and your comfort. And God, I pray that they would know your hope in this situation. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
Thanks, guys. You can take your seats. But here is the kicker. Jesus is passionate, but he is also powerful. Jesus has got the power to do something about it. If we rewind the story a little bit, we'll see that in verse 25, it says this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. You see, when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, the resurrection moves from being an event that we celebrate to being who Jesus is. The resurrection isn't an event, but it is who Jesus is. You see, when things and people come into contact and have an encounter with Jesus, they come to life. And I think that is so exciting. You know, if you uh, perhaps aren't a Christian this morning and you've uh, never had that moment, then it might be this morning that you want to have that moment. Um, But you might have some questions. You might want to know a little bit more. You might want to... check it out a little bit further before you commit to something. Uh, If that's you, then I want to invite you along to the Alpha course. Uh, It's incredible. It's eight weeks. It starts a week on Monday. There'll be some free food, which you can't go wrong there. Um, And there'll be a chance to ask some questions. uh, You'll look at different aspects of the Christian faith. And I think it's a fantastic environment for you to come and ask questions and see whether this Jesus thing works. Because from my experience and what I've seen in my life, it works. And I'm desperate for, for it to work for you and for you to have your life transformed. So if, if that's you, then there's not much to lose, to be honest. Because it's, it's, about, it's eight sessions, two hours, so it's about 16 hours of your life. At very worst, you'll get food poisoning off the free food, but that won't happen. <laughs> but at the very best, you could have your life transformed forever and never look back. And I think that's a risk worth taking. Uh, We're going to go back to the Lazarus story. And we're going to pick it up in verse 38 and 39. It says this. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there is a bad odour because he has been there for four days. And some of you that are parents of teenagers will know what that smells like. (laughs) Um, Lazarus had been dead for four days. He, um, in those times, people believed uh, that a person's spirit would linger around the body for about three days. So the fact that Jesus turns up on the third day, the whole family, everybody looks at this and goes, it's too late, Jesus. Hope has gone. There was three days where he could have raised from the dead, but, but he's, he's not because it's the fourth day. He's going to be rotten. He's going to smell. It's going to be horrendous. People believed that, G, that there was a chance after three days, but not after four. You see, Jesus waits until it is impossible. Jesus waits until it is beyond doubt that Lazarus is dead. And just before that, Jesus does something very interesting. You see, again, if I was Jesus, I'd have used my super Jesus powers and I'd have gone, I'm going to move the stone. I don't know why I keep doing that. I think I like subconsciously want to be Spider-Man. Subconsciously, I definitely want to be Spider-Man. That would be cool. Um, But if I was Jesus, I'd have gone and moved the stone. But Jesus doesn't. Jesus asks the people to move the stone. 
And I think it's really interesting that Jesus asks the people to do something possible so that he can do the impossible. And I think that's really powerful for us this morning. Could you do the possible in your life so that Jesus could do the impossible? Or could you move the stone for somebody else and do the possible for them so that Jesus could do the impossible? It might be that you've got friends that don't know Jesus. It might be that you've been praying for some people in your family. And this morning, maybe you need to do the possible and invite them to Alpha. That's helping them move the stone so that Jesus can do the impossible. It might be that you need to do the possible and and deal with some stuff that you can deal with so that then Jesus can deal with the stuff that only he can deal with. It might be this morning that you find stuff really tough and the only possible thing is that you can get yourself here every week to church. Do you know what? If you do the possible, God can do the impossible. I, uh, in February, had a real privilege of going out uh, to Uganda and uh, I went with an organisation called Tear Fund uh, and we went out to visit uh, some partners and some projects uh, that they uh, work with out there and one of the main projects that we visited was a project uh, called COBAP and uh, it should be coming up on the screen. It stands for Community Based AIDS Project and on the first day that we got there, we uh, kind of got into this little sweaty minibus and uh, we drove from where we were staying to the office. And most of us on the team were expecting like an office block on a main strip because uh, we were really naive Westerners and we were expecting this like really nice office. But as, uh, as we got nearer and nearer the office, we, we realised that that wasn't, wasn't going to happen. You see, we, uh, as we got closer, we realised that the office was based right in the middle of the slums in Kampala, which is the capital city. And I sat on the minibus and I could not believe the poverty that I was seeing right in front of me. The, the situations, the locations, the, the homes that people had, it was just horrendous and it broke my heart. And then we pulled up at the, at the office and the office was slap bang in the middle of that slum community. And loads of the kids came running, shouting, Mazungu, Mazungu, which means white man, white man. And we got the privilege uh, to, to have a little play with the kids and, and bring a little bit of fun. And it was brilliant and it was really great fun. And then afterwards, uh, we went into the office and Rachel, who is the lady who's the CEO of COBAP, told us the history of how it came about. And it came about with her and four other ladies who all went to the same church And they looked around in their community and they said, people are dying. People are dying of AIDS and we're not doing anything about it. We need to do something. So they mustered up all the Bibles that they could find and they went and began to visit people who were dying of AIDS. And they spent time with them. They talked about the power of the resurrection. They talked about the difference that Jesus could make in their life, however short their life may be from now on. And then after a few years, they realized that they could potentially do more So they began to develop what COBAP did. And and now, a number of years later, COBAP is an incredible project in Uganda. If if it was a project that existed in the UK, it would be all over the news and we'd all be reading books about it. They do incredible work. They um, 
help other towns and villages and communities to get the ground to work for them so that they teach them what to plant and how to plant and how to look after stuff so that they can feed themselves and sell that food also to make money. They work with children who have got AIDS. They do education classes. Uh, they work with young people and do uh, youth intervention programs. Uh, they do all sorts of sports stuff. Um, and uh, we had the privilege of going to a boxing club, which I got beat up by quite a number of people. Um, but it was brilliant to see the hope that was coming alive in that community because of a group of people that said, we have got to do something. And their motto as an organisation is this, hope for the vulnerable. And this morning, if you call yourself a Christian, if you say that you follow Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, then I think you've got a responsibility. I think we have got a responsibility. And that is to be carriers of that. Carriers of the resurrection and the life. Carriers of the hope that Jesus brings. And it might not be as extreme as some of the situations that I've talked about in Uganda. But you know, there's people in your workplace. There's people who live next door to you. There's people perhaps in even your own household that are desperate for hope. And are desperate for an encounter with Jesus that transforms their life. I want to be a carrier of hope. I don't know about you. Um, if we go back to the Lazarus story, uh, in verse 43, it says this. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, I love this bit of the story because it always makes me laugh. And it might sound a little bit strange that it makes me laugh. Because if you imagine, Jesus goes, Lazarus, come out. And then the next thing that happens is this. <laughs> like everyone else, if I'd have been there, everyone else would have been like, oh, that's amazing. I'd have been like, that's hilarious. Like, it is absolutely brilliant. It is so powerful. I love that Jesus calls him by name because perhaps if he didn't say, if he said, come out, loads of people might have got up rather than just Lazarus. And that would have been, imagine that, just a mass movement of. <laughs> and this isn't the only time that resurrection happens in the Bible. It's what we're here to celebrate today. You see, on Good Friday, Jesus died on a cross. You see, God was so desperate to be in relationship with me and you that he humbled himself to become what he'd created, become a human. And he lived a perfect life, an example for us to follow. And because he was so perfect, he could take the punishment that you and I deserve. You see, we mess it up, don't we? We get it wrong. How many of you mess it up? Good. <laughs> I thought I was on my own then. <laughs> we mess it up and when we get it wrong, when we mess it up, we become unholy. We become unacceptable to God. That's the fact. And, and the Bible says that the punishment, when we are unacceptable to God, the punishment is death. And the great news is that Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he took the punishment that you and I deserved. He took it on that cross and if, if the story ends there, it's just a bit like, thanks, Jesus, thanks for taking the punishment. But the incredible thing is, is today we celebrate that Jesus defeated death. Jesus got up two days later and said, I have taken the punishment. I have dealt with it. Now, come and follow me. 
Come and have a relationship with me. Come and have life and life in all its fullness. I think that is absolutely incredible. Do you this morning? Come on, don't just nod your heads. Are you excited by that this morning? Brilliant. Do you know, I don't think we're that great at celebrating Easter Sunday, if I'm honest. I mean, I've not even had an Easter egg today. But if you want to bring an Easter egg, my address... Is, no, I'm not going to give my address out. Um, I, I just think we're not that great at it. You know, my wife really is really interested in the Jewish faith. And one of the things that really excites me about the Jewish faith is they have loads of festivals. They have loads of parties and celebrations. When someone gets married, it's not just a day, it's like a week. It's incredible. If it wasn't for the whole circumcision thing, I might consider becoming a Jew. <laughs> But, you know, the fact that on Easter Sunday, Jesus rose again from the dead and said, I am the hope for the world. Come and have a relationship with the king of the world, the creator of the heavens and earth, the creator of you and I, the creator of everything that you see and experience wants a relationship with you this morning. And I think that is great news. And I think we can celebrate that. Um, so I'm going to invite the band to come up. Why don't you stand to your feet? Because this is the greatest news that the world has ever heard. And it's the greatest news that the world will ever hear. Greater than any football club winning any trophy. Greater than any pop star releasing any good song. Greater than any relationship that you find yourself in. The greatest news that you will ever hear is that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and you can have a relationship with him. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you have risen again. God, I thank you that through the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection, we can have a relationship with you. God, I thank you that the grave could not hold you, but God, you have defeated death and we want to celebrate that. God, we thank you that you are an incredible God. So Lord, as we worship you, God, I pray that you will be lifted high in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.